This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Personally, I was ready for the NFL Draft 2023 when all these QB prospects at their pro day decided to flex and hit the roof of the training facilities with a deep ball. That told me we are ready for the draft. But then the last 24 hours when a Reddit post, an anonymous post on Reddit, has actually altered the betting lines because it says that Will Levis might go number one overall to Carolina. Now we really know that we are ready for NFL Draft Day 2023. And we're going to break all this down on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Brought to you by SeatGeek, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. I am not Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, Paulie Pinch Hitter, in for Gree. Darren Urban, still reeling mentally from losing his blue check, but he's looking diligently over the show rundown. Darren, are you with us mentally? Are you ready? I, I'm, I'm here for you, Paul. Okay. Kyle Vandenbosch, still holding a grudge from 2001. In his pre-draft scouting report, don't make me break it out, Kyle. If you threaten me at any point, I'm going to respond here during this edition of the Red Sea Report by just reading some of the negatives from your 2001 scouting report coming out of Nebraska. So I'll do it. Is that scouting report also from Reddit? Is is this where <laughs> is this where you get all of your news, Paul? Because because uh, it, it seems like that's probably the case where you get most yeah. of your information. Just ask uh, your two teenagers. That's where it all comes from these days. Okay, there we go. Uh, guess what? If we open up those blinds, you might see some players on the backfield, or maybe you saw them earlier today. Darren Urban, give us the latest on this. Is not just draft week, but because the Cardinals have a brand new head coach and Jonathan Gannon. What else does this entail? Well. I mean, there's uh, the new coach means uh, extra mini camp, and it happens to start today. They're not quite out there yet. I believe they start at the bottom of the hour. But uh, the fact that they can get out on the field for the first time today, uh, I, I think they're going to slowly kind of ramp it up. I don't think it's any kind of super full speed thing, considering they haven't been on the field yet at all. Uh, it's voluntary, so you know I'm sure not necessarily everybody's going to be out there, but. Uh, it'll be good for the first time for them to be out on the field for the coaches who have not been able to work with them outside the classroom at this point uh, to be able to get uh, the first sense of, of who their players are. In fact, here's Jonathan Gannon in, within the last week as to what it means to him as a coaching staff and this team to finally get out on the grass. The coaching process starts for our guys with, from a standpoint of technique and schematics and how we do things on a daily basis on the grass. Um, how we practice versus each other. That's a huge piece to being a good team is knowing how to practice versus each other, a safe and effective way. And um, I know our coaches, man, they are ready to go on Tuesday. I know that. If you're a player, Kyle, put us in their cleats. What does it mean when you have an all-new coaching staff out there? And guess what? It's going to be a first impression. Whether you've got a long-term contract or not, what do you think that means for a player? 
Well, frankly, anything you did in the past, I mean, there's some weight to it, but it doesn't carry a ton of weight. You've got to go out and prove yourself again. I mean, t- in reality, that should be your how you approach every practice, every game anyways. Like, I need to prove myself today. Um, but with a new staff in, um, you know, look, there's been so much turnover. You've, you've got to earn your spot, and there is a lot of spots that are open and up for grabs. And, you know, it's, it's what Jonathan Gannon said is, like, he wants competition at every single position. And so you can expect a fast, fiery type of practice. And as a player, I mean, as an analyst now, it seems like, you know, the last couple of months getting ready for draft is really a dead time. You've got nothing to talk about except the draft. And, and it seems like it, those two months are about a year. And as a player – I could tell you it's the same. I mean, you need about, te- you know, you need a, a couple of weeks to kind of gather yourself, lick your wounds, let your body heal up, and then you can't wait to get back out on the field. It's You get that first day of school type of excitement. You're a little bit nervous, and, and you're excited to get back out there out on the grass because that's how these guys are hardwired. It's what they've been doing since youth football. They're, the football is out on the grass, and you, you, you just get excited for each step that brings you closer to the next season. And Today you start to get to see some of your new teammates, what they're like, how they work, and probably more importantly, work with this coaching staff that has a ton of energy. And one of the things that they've talked about is their priority is not just getting athletes but developing players and getting them to their potential, and that all starts today. JG rhymes with energy, as we like to say, and you will see it out on that field. At least the players will. There's been a lot of change, including the uniform unveiling last week. You guys were both there. So players are all fired up about the brand new uniforms. And then there's going to be change on Thursday night. Darren, what's your expectation? Before we get into all the insanity, and there's a lot of it flying in every single direction, you can find a mock draft that says the Cardinals will stay at three. You can also say find ones that say they'll trade down to four or five or seven or eight or 11 or 12. Uh, there's a little bit of everything out there. What's your gut feel after doing this for more than two decades? I mean, my gut is that the attempt will be made to trade. Uh, right now, the Cardinals have a lot of roster holes, and you know that can be best filled with solid draft picks. And ultimately, when you're talking about a draft, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about the third overall pick or the 31st overall pick or the 60th overall pick, there is a crapshoot element to it. And yeah, you have a you would think you'd have a better chance at number three, but you know I've looked at all the number three. Uh, choices for the last 25 years and there's a lot of really good players on there Larry Fitzgerald being one of them ding but there are I can find quite a few of them that were either middling (laughs) or didn't work out at all Trey Lance uh you know the one that keeps popping in my head when we keep talking about an edge rusher is Deion Jordan the the pass rusher out of Oregon who was drafted by the Dolphins and everybody thought okay this guy is going to solve all their pass rushing needs and that never quite worked out and and I don't mean to just put it on the one guy but that's one that keeps standing out to me when you're talking about the Cardinals going after an edge rusher so you know I I think they need to find a handful of guys and Kyle and I were talking about this right before we went on the air that will serve them well going forward um, and and be solid players for them. Hopefully a couple of them can turn into pro bowlers. That would be awesome. Uh, but they need to, to kind of get this roster back full. Hey, the Houston Texans have done a heck of a job of putting the narrative out there that they're not necessarily going quarterback. 
that they could go edge rusher. And most would think it would be Will Anderson. Bucky Brooks came out today, NFL.com, his final mock draft, and he's pretty dialed in, and he comes at it from more of a scout's perspective. Says, you know what, they are going to shun quarterback Houston. They're going Tyree Wilson at number two. So we'll see. What does that mean, though? If a C.J. Stroud is still on the board at number three for the Arizona Cardinals, here's Ian Rappaport on that. As far as number two goes, my thought the whole time has been you need a quarterback. It is the time to take a franchise quarterback. I would be surprised if the Texans don't take a quarterback. Um, They do have pick number 12, but is it worth risking your franchise guy if someone else gets before you and takes whoever you want? I will stick with quarterback until it is proven otherwise. That said, like this is one of the draft's great mysteries. But if they don't take a quarterback, then I think three gets auctioned off at an astronomical price. I do think that will have massive, massive dramatic effect. That's Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee Show. Others have said it's the biggest pivot point, not only in this draft, but in years that we've seen in a draft. What will Houston do at number two? Yeah, well, the impression you give is that they're playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, Paul. But to me, I, I see a bunch of guys sitting in a room blindfolded throwing darts at a dartboard. Like, it doesn't, to me, I it doesn't seem like Houston knows what they want to do at this point. Obviously they do, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it there's so much at stake for the Arizona Cardinals depending on what Houston decides to do. Um, but you can't, I mean, w- when you have a top two, top three draft pick, your vision is to never have that type of pick again. And so you can't bank on either a, Getting a quarterback later in the first, you can't bank on, hey, next year's a better quarterback class, we'll just get them next year. Because if you do what you're supposed to do, if you get the players you're supposed to get, and if your coaches are doing their job and the players are doing their job, you're not in the top 10 next year and you don't get that franchise quarterback. So if you have that opportunity, whether he's got some holes in his game, whether he's got some flaws, whether there's some things that you don't like that he does, it doesn't matter. You've got to take that guy and try to develop him because – uh, again, you might not get this chance next year. You might not get it the year after that. So you've got to find – I mean, obviously, it, it's not only the most position, most important position on your football team. It's probably the most important position in sports to find yep. that quarterback that can run your team. I, I agree with that because you don't know if you're going to be up there to be able to do it. I mean, and, and let's face it, the Texans ended up winning their last game – uh, costing them the number one overall pick when they were really bad this year. And and who knows, if they really like Bryce Young the most, maybe that cost them this year. I I, I agree. I think you got to take swing. When you don't have a quarterback, you got to take swings. You know, a few years ago, the Browns had the number two overall pick. They decided, and in hindsight, probably it worked out that they didn't really like Goff or Carson Wentz, so they traded down and let the Eagles take Carson Wentz, and the Browns needed a quarterback desperately, and what ended up happening? They continued to flounder, yep. but did they, they didn't flounder quite enough to get the quarterback they needed. So I, I, I agree with Kyle. I think you, you should be taking that shot. And the other thing that I really don't understand is what upside do the Texans have to make people think they're not taking a quarterback? Like, are they really letting stuff leak out that they aren't taking it because they're really not? Um, I, I, that's what I'm confused about. Because unless you're trying to get somebody to trade up with you, which maybe they are, I don't, I don't understand why you'd want people to think that. I mean, are they trying to mess with their own division? Are they trying to mess with Indianapolis at number four when they say, you know what, Will Levis might go number two? There was a lot of that to start this week before now Will Levis is supposedly 
uh, going number one, allegedly, according to the Reddit post. So maybe they're trying to mess with Indianapolis, trying to get the Colts to come up. To your point, though, guys, you're right. When you're in this position and you have a shot at a franchise quarterback, can you pass that up? If you're Seattle at number five, and Geno Smith is basically on a glorified one-year deal and is definitely not the long-term future, when are the Seahawks ever going to be top five again? That's coming off the Denver trade. There's a lot of people who think Seattle's going quarterback at five, and Anthony Richardson, just because this is as close as John Schneider is going to get. So I buy that. Houston, I mean, it's Houston. Houston has started a different starting quarterback in a season opener seven straight years. I'm sorry, that's Indianapolis has done that. So if you're Indianapolis at four, you got to go quarterback. And then Houston, we talk about that. I mean, they have Davis Mills and Kyle Allen. Are they going to run those guys out there again? They didn't sniff anyone in free agency, Houston. They got to go quarterback. So to me, full circle, I think this bodes very well for the Cardinals, as Monty Asifor told the media at his pre-draft presser. This is where the calls really start to heat up. And as JG said, Kyle, he can't wait to see Monty on the phone when the Cardinals are on the clock. Because I I think it's going to be lit, as the kids would say. It it will be off the hook with how many people are calling. If the Cardinals are going to make a a selection at number three, they know who they're going to take. But I don't think that's going to happen. They'll get an offer they can't refuse. No, I agree. Uh, I'm, hold on, I'm, pens- I'm sorting through Mark my, that down. Sorting through my Urban Dictionary to try to follow what Paulie's saying over there. Paul, you're so cool. Well, I was. I had to get ready for the uniform unveiling. You know, dope, sick, lit, epic, hype. You know, uh, these drip, are all. Drip. I believe drip was yeah, the one you yeah, kept bringing. Yeah, up. that was that was that was him. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So look, I just have the Cardinals at number three trading out. The question is, where do they go? They go down to number seven with the Raiders. Do they go? down to, oh, I don't know, 11 with Tennessee, and maybe D-Hop is part of a deal in that scenario. I still think DeAndre Hopkins, and we'll get into this a little bit later, is going to be part of a draft day trade. Remember how the Chicago Bears, uh, they traded away and traded for Chase Claypool? I mean, the Steelers are picking a top round two. You know why? Because Chase Claypool got a high second round pick in a trade. So you're telling me that DeAndre Hopkins isn't worth something significant? We'll see how that plays out. I think there are still enough suitors in that regard where the Cardinals will make a deal for D-Hop and will benefit them on draft day, which, by the way, is Thursday night. We continue with the Red Sea Report brought to you by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Everybody talks about Will Anderson. Yes, he's talented, but it's about the effort that he gives turns into a supernova. Will Anderson doing damage. Anderson got there. It was a simple foot race, and Will Anderson with the sack for Alabama. Well, we talked about do you double him, do you chip him? Well, sure as heck, there's one thing you can't do is just leave him one-on-one, swarmed under by Will Anderson. The best pass rusher we've seen in college football in a long time. Quarterback will keep it, and gets taken down. Will Anderson Jr. lying in wait. It is intercepted. This is Will Anderson Jr. Touchdown. We don't have enough time to really go through all the accolades on Will Anderson. It's only an hour edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Brought to you by Seat Geek, your ticket to great seats. Paul Calvisi sitting in for Craig Grealou, Kyle Vandenbosch, Darren Urban. Let's just go right to KVB. Guy went to Pro Bowls as an edge rusher. People ask you about Will Anderson, I'm sure, Kyle. I mean, what do you tell them about a guy who was nicknamed the Terminator 
at Alabama. What, what do you see from this guy, and, and, and what do you think his NFL future holds? Well, he's your total package. Uh, to me, he's the can't-miss D lineman. I don't see any holes in his game. He plays the run well, uses his leverage. He's got long arms. Um, he's been productive as a pass rusher. And this is going against SEC offensive tackles. So he's not going against guys that won't ever be in the NFL. He's going against other guys that are going to be day one, day two picks. Um, and he's been productive and he's been available. Um, started every game for three seasons. I mean, he is um, – there is no holes in his game. I think some people are just a little weary that um, he may be close to his ceiling already. The things you are seeing is what you're going to get. But I see no problem with that. To me um, – you know, having dabbled in coaching, I want a guy that is consistent and reliable. I take that any day of the week over a guy that flashes for a couple of plays a game or even flashes for a couple of games a season. You want that guy that works hard, that's accountable, that is a good locker room guy, which is obviously a priority for the Arizona Cardinals, just a, a guy that you can help change this culture and build the culture around. And to me, I, I think he's the can't-miss edge rusher of this draft here's will anderson from the combine just talking about his bama experience and to your point there kyle how it made him a complete player being in alabama made me very versatile dropping in coverage you know playing a four or five technique six technique seven all that type of stuff um helping me you know learn pass rush moves run so when i dissect myself i see myself as a very versatile player that can do just about anything but that's thanks to coach Saban. you know he trusted me a lot he's seen a lot in me he's seen the potential and it helped me um mold the player i am today so when i look back at myself i just like alabama made me a very versatile player darren urban do the cardinals have a bigger need than edge rush in this draft no. And if you're looking at Will Anderson, uh, what is your expectation in terms of him being able to just be a plug-and-play guy from day one? I mean, Kyle can speak better to this, but, I mean, ultimately, if you can put a guy out there, even for part of the time, and uh, on passing situations and say, go get the quarterback, I mean, that's, that's easily done. And uh, I, I think – you know, obviously, since pretty much since week one of 2022, uh, when Chandler Jones had his really nice game, final last yeah. really big game for the Cardinals. Yeah, um, this is something that the Cardinals have desperately needed, and um, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. And I understand, I you know, you look at the rundown of the show, and we're going to talk about possible trade downs and everything. But it, it's it's real easy to get excited about a guy like this, and then to have it not happen. You know, you don't want to necessarily have as a fan base just be all let down because you don't get one guy. Because the yeah. the what's the number one rule of the draft? Don't fall in love with one person because you never know exactly how it's going to happen. That being said, would I like to see Will Anderson on this roster? Absolutely. And you know, we've talked about this in podcasts before, Paul. It, if they could be in a situation where the Colts wanted to flip flop with them and give them an extra third round pick, and they still got Will Anderson, that'd be pretty great do it the chances of that happening are probably slim and we'll see what happens and we'll see again if will anderson is even there at three the two most important things in the nfl quarterback play and then getting to the quarterback and it's almost as difficult to find the guy who can get to the quarterback these days and guess what you're gonna almost spend as much money uh, joey bosa makes 27 million a year uh, a tj watt makes 28 million a year so if you can get a rookie who can be that guy can be him as the kids would say that here's the thing 
Guess who else covets a Will Anderson, according to an NFL executive on NFL Network who was unnamed? D'Amico Ryans, who also went to Alabama. The quote was, it would be D'Amico drafting D'Amico, that generational type guy coming in, resetting the culture. And so, okay, you know, we'll see. But are there other guys like that? That's part of the equation here. Nick Saban on the Will Anderson skill set. And to my question to Darren, you know, what sort of immediate impact could he make? You know, he can stand up and play. Uh, he's a good rusher off the edge, which I know is a real premium, you know, for people in the NFL. I think his ability to turn speed to power is something that, you know, a lot of guys struggle with when they get in the NFL, but I know he can do that extremely well. So, I think this guy's a great person. He's got great competitive character. He's fine to a young man as you're ever going to find to be in your organization. So I think he's going to make a huge impact wherever he goes. All right, Nick Saban right there. So KVB, we're going to add two more initials to your title, GM. What about some of these mock drafts out there? The mock trades have been proposed. There's rumors that Atlanta, who has met with all the quarterbacks, would come up to number three. Cardinals would go to number eight. And they would add a couple of key picks from that. They would get Atlanta's pick a top round two. They would get Atlanta's pick a top round three. And they would also get a 2024 round four. Would that be enough for you? to go down to number eight. You're dropping five spots. You would probably lose out on Will Anderson. But guess what? You could get two potential starters atop round two and round three in a very deep draft for both corner and maybe even a defensive lineman, offensive lineman. These are all dire areas of need if you're the Cardinals. I I think it is. I think, look, I love Will Anderson. I think if we're at three, um, he's the guy we take. Um, if there is other scenarios, I'm all for getting draft picks. Now, these draft picks need to be in round two, round three, and in my opinion. They need to be guys that can check boxes and fill holes because there is still some gaping holes. And again, to Darren's point, um, just going back to our conversation, we need to fill holes that are three, four-year answers because through free agency, all the holes we filled were one- and two-year answers. And we're going to be back in the same situation every year in free agency where we're trying to refill the holes that we plugged last year. So we need some consistency and continuity with this roster. So if we can uh, get additional second third round, even a a late first, where we can get guys that can come in, um, plug into the lineup. It may not be day one, but we can develop them, and they can be reliable starters that we can depend on for the next few years. I'm all for that. Darren, there's enough needs for the Cardinals if they don't go edge rusher at number three or they end up trading down. I mean, you know what? They also very much need a corner, right? And a CB1. They need offensive linemen. They need the defensive tackle minus J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. I don't think anybody would be surprised if they targeted one of those position groups in the first round of this draft. Again, you're absolutely right. Ultimately, one of the things that hurts the Cardinals in the short term helps them in this draft, which is they do have a lot of needs, so they they can kind of expand and, and take, you know, some really good players at a bunch of different positions because it would help, as Kyle said, in that fill that hole for the next few years. Here's the thing: if you don't get that edge rusher, and you're taking a cornerback with your first round pick, you're still going to have an edge rush need at some at some point, and obviously, you, you're you're going to have a lesser talent that you're going to bring in on that, and and obviously this team took. Uh, Cameron Thomas and my Jay Sanders last year, and you're hoping that they could still develop into something. But 
with new coaches, you don't know how these coaches are going to see those guys. We have a new GM. We don't know had those guys been here if those players would have been the picks. And that's, again, when you're having a transition like this, that's the other tough part. Everybody's like, well, you have these young players still. You have this guy still on your roster. Yeah, but I, I, I've been around this a long time. I, I, I still I go back. I go back to when Denny Green came in as coach here. Uh, Kyle remembers all this. And uh, there was a couple of guys that you had been there and were solid players. And as soon as the new co- coach came in, all of a sudden they were not. They were afterthoughts. L.J. Shelton was a guy that really uh, resonates with me as a guy that had been a steady starter for you and you got a new coach in and then it was, it was over. Uh, before every anything really got started because of whatever reasons and and so that's something uh, that's something that always has to be kept in mind when you're talking about new coaching staff is these existing guys that you already have we don't know as Kyle said before everything is open and is a, is a competition now you guys were both at the uniform unveiling Jonathan Gannon during the Q&A said a couple interesting things one they had gotten double digit trade calls last week alone at number for number three uh, that Monty and him actually wrote down their 10 favorite players in this draft, and they had eight of the same names of the top 10. I thought that was interesting. Then he talked about the top 30 business. Kyle, real quick, by the time you're done with spending 24 hours having multiple meals with a player, do you think you get a pretty good sense of who the person is? I think you do. Um, look, uh, you know, a quick Zoom call or a phone call or even a, a meeting at the combine, you get a little idea, but spending some time with the player, talking to him about his priorities, what's important to him, um, I, those are all important factors. You've got to, when you're drafting somebody, you've got to look at the total person, not just the numbers that are on a sheet in front of you. When we come back, Monty Austin Ford and the possibility of trading down. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report brought to you by SeatGeek. Takes the shot back, shoulder, and he's picked off. Intercepted by Christian this is a bigger, longer corner who can do much. Why they are continuing to test him is beyond me. Right side, and it's picked off again. It's Christian Gonzalez with his second interception this quarter. Find out where zero is and go the other way. Got away. There's an interception. What a pick. And the return, Christian Gonzalez. Man, has he had a great year. Size. He has the speed, he has the ball skills, he has everything that these GMs covet in a top cornerback. Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Could he come to the AZ and rejoin his brother-in-law? About David Blau is also on the roster. In fact, David Blau and the Cardinals on the field as we speak. The voluntary veteran minicamp going on. Part of uh, what comes with a new head coach and a new coaching staff in the NFL. It is the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report. Brought to you by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Kyle Vandenbosch. And let there be mock drafts with trade downs. For example, let's pick up where we left off Will Anderson. Let's say he goes number two overall to Houston. Now, some mock drafts say that Houston will indeed get the quarterback by trading back up from 12 to 3 and making a deal with the Cardinals. So the Houston Texans would draft number two and number three. Cardinals would go down to number 12. Okay, you know what? Uh, We command the same Trey Lance deal that the Niners had to give up to go from 12 to three just two years ago, three first-round picks. I'm sure the Cardinals would do that. But there's also another one out there I saw on NFL.com, Darren, where Will Anderson goes two, and then Vegas makes a trade up to three. Cardinals will go down to seven, and you're thinking maybe they get Christian Gonzalez at seven. But wait, there's more. Jalen Carter is still on the board. 
Philly trades up from 10 to number 7. The Cardinals cash it in again, go down to 10, and still get a Christian Gonzalez. So let there be an NFL draft. I mean, again, if... I don't think anything is off the board when you're talking about Cardinals and, and stockpiling some picks. So could there could there be a couple of deals? I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Um, once you've moved on from three, and let's say you're not getting a Will Anderson, then, then I do think then there's a bunch of guys in, in a group, uh, even if you want to go offensive line back at 10 or whatever it might be, um, I, I think there's always that option but it's going to be intriguing what happens I like the Texans trade seems really uh, I guess if you want if you really love Will Anderson but you really need a quarterback you're willing to trade up but that Houston isn't exactly burgeoning with talent either I don't understand why they would send a bunch of draft picks to go from 12 to 3 to get a quarterback that you should have just taken it too (laughs) You know, you have Cleveland's draft capital, obviously, from the Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, the thinking, at least, out of Houston's summer saying is that, A, they need a quarterback, yes, but D'Amico Ryans needs that premier edge rusher, defensive lineman to make his system go like he had with the Niners and, and Nick Bosa. Uh, we'll see. Monty Asifor, during his pre-draft press conference, was asked about the possibility of trading down. If the phone does ring and, and someone shows interest, then we're going to have to weigh that, right? It's a it's a give and take. Is 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 there a player there that we we want to take there? And there obviously is. There's only two players that are going to be drafted ahead of where we pick, and so we have to weigh that versus uh, if there is an offer and what exactly that offer is. So it's it's one that we're going to have to wait and see just what what opportunities are or aren't there. I, I personally think a quarterback will be on the board that a team covets and they will make the Cardinals an offer to come down. What do you think, Kyle? And if so, is there a particular player or position group you would target if you're not getting to Will Anderson, if you're not getting to Tyree Wilson? For example, Albert Breer this week has reported the Cardinals are reportedly high on Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois. And then Kyler Murray himself has told management and the decision makers he loves Paris Johnson, the tackle out of Ohio State. So it could be any and all or all of the above. Oh, you're right. Um, again, look, I, I we talked about this last week. Um, knowing where Jonathan Gannon came from and what he had to work with last year, and look, I was at the as you mentioned earlier, I was at the new uniform unveiling with uh, hosted by Danny and some other guy. Um, and and one <laughs> so of the things, forgettable that other guy. One of the things that um, Jonathan Gannon said when you were talking to him was about how much criticism he got. But he he went down the list of what his defense did, and he he said we were able to lead the league by thirty plus sacks uh, without blitzing. You know, and and there's so much value to that when you have dudes up front that can get pressure on the quarterback, and everything behind you looks so much cleaner and so much better when you're getting quick pressure on the quarterback. Now saying that. Um, you know, so I, I again, you know, if we stay with eight draft picks, I envision us getting at least four either interior offensive linemen or defensive linemen because that's where he came from. He came from Philly, who had the best offensive line in football and the best defensive line in football, and that is a big reason why they were in the Super Bowl. But you've also, as Monty Ossoford, you look at roster construction, and if you can find that corner that is that guy, you're getting him for cheap. If you're trying to get an elite corner in free agency, oh. you're paying a premium. So 
just roster construction. If you can find an elite corner at you know if if we're picking at eleven and you plug that hole for four or five years before you have to dish out a big contract extension and you find that guy at corner and, and you believe he's the guy, then I think you do have to make that move because you're getting a premium position for really cheap on his rookie contract. So Monty Austin Ford, a first-time GM, but 15-plus years in NFL war rooms between New England and Tennessee, and it's that experience he talked about with the media. It's a unique experience. You know, I think by Thursday night, the decisions have been made. The, our board is our board, so it's not, it's not a... Uh, what are you thinking here? Should we, which way? Should, like we know which way we're going to go, right? I think what we want to reserve the time for is if the phone rings one way or the other. So, the the debate on the which player, player A or player B, that that's that's done. That's over. It's really waiting to see the draft strategy and moving around the board and seeing if it makes sense. And drawn upon my experiences of seeing that happen, my years that that's what I'm going to draw upon. And I'll say this, Darren, over my years of being a sports radio blowhard, I've always, I've always adhered to the belief that quality trumps quantity. Meaning if you make a trade for a superstar, almost assuredly the team that gets the superstar has won the deal. As opposed to a number of just average players or draft picks that are unknowns. You're, you're trading for a known versus an unknown. But in this case, if you were to give up or cash in that number three pick and instead of Will Anderson and some team wants the quarterback, and all of a sudden you're getting a, a pick, a top round two, and a pick, a top round three, and or a future first round pick when you consider your franchise quarterback is going to be injured for an X amount of time this year, I can see the Cardinals hitting zoom out on the rebuild for two years and valuing those extra players, especially since it's such a deep draft and so many position groups that they covet. First of all, I need to double check with uh, Jonathan Gannon right now. Uh, I want to know if he heard you just say rebuild. I I don't know if he's up out in the field right now cringing. Yeah, Um, Yeah, he doesn't like the word rebuild. I I, I will say that that's exactly right. I mean, you're you're talking about dealing an unknown quantity for an unknown quantity right now because we don't know, as we said earlier, we don't know what these draft picks are going to turn into. So it is easier to make those deals. And, And... Ultimately, none of the positions that we're talking about, whether it's a premier cornerback, whether it's a premier edge rusher, uh, th- those you're not getting those in free agency. They're just not available. You're hoping that you have one that you can grow with, that you can pay a lot of money to, because chances are, because the guys that are getting that kind of money in free agency, those guys, they're not. It's not Nick Bosa. It's it's a it's a tear down. You know, every once in a while you can get a Hassan Reddick that who was on the free agent market twice, by the way, yep. after he left the Cardinals, yep. got signed to the Panthers, and they didn't keep him either until he went to the Eagles. So, you know, again, if you can find a guy at either of those positions that can develop into your next Patrick Peterson, I think that's something you gotta seriously consider. And again, going back to what I said earlier, why you know, it's unfortunate the Cardinals are in the position there are roster-wise, but it gives them a lot of options in terms of their early pick to say, okay, the the great edge rusher isn't there, and that's what we need. But we also need a really good cornerback, and that is here, so we can take that instead of forcing taking the edge rusher just because that's the one thing you really have to have. So how do you answer that, Kyle Vandenbosch? You know, quantity versus quality. If we're saying Will Anderson is an ex-Von Miller. Is there any number of picks that is truly worth giving up on that? If look at the Jets last year with Sauce Gardner at number four, 
right? I mean, he is a lockdown all-pro corner after his rookie season. Would you rather have a Sauce Gardner, that kind of guy at that position, or an extra two or three picks? Well, if he is a slam dunk, I think you've got to take the quality. Um, but again, um, yeah, I mean, it's so tough. It, 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 not knowing how they have these players graded, maybe they have players in the 10 to 15 range that are slam dunks as well. Like, I just, I don't know. It, they, they've got to weigh that. Like, what, uh, they put either a number or a color. I don't know their system on how they grade players and, and rank them. But, like, if we get two guys that are nines out of tens is that better for our roster than one guy that's a 10 out of 10 you know and that it it just depends how they have these players ranked in their positions and how they think that they're going to translate those skills that they showed in the college game to the nfl game for example if you get that extra round two pick and it's a top round two and a guy like mozzie smith drops down these defensive linemen these defensive tackles you so desperately need after jj watt and zach allen brian brissi out of clemson yeah, one of those guys, a Kalijah Cansey out of Pitt, one of those guys. I mean, that's, that's a big key to your front seven. Anquan Bolden, Buda Baker, Byron oh. Murphy. Mm. We talk about those early first-round picks, but those early second-round picks, Carlos Dansby, yeah. that has worked out well for this team. No doubt. Hey, the Cardinals' 2023 home schedule. Kyle Vandenbosch. Features NFC West battles number 34 overall, right, Kyle? Was that's that right. one? Yeah, that's right. Okay, we're going to go down memory lane here in a minute. A reminder, Cardinals' home schedule, not only the Seahawks, Niners, and Rams, you have the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, Falcons, and Bengals, Joe Burrow. So for all your ticket information this coming season, azcardinals.com slash tickets, azcardinals.com slash tickets. We wrap up the Red Sea Report. Speaking of, brought to you by SeatGeek. Larry Fitzgerald, first round, 2004, University of Pittsburgh. You know, it seemed like it took forever. Even though I went in third pick, it just seemed like it it took a long time. A lot of suspense. You know, I actually never even got a visit um, to, to the Cardinals. I only took one visit when I came out of school. That was the San Diego Chargers. And and uh, after they picked number one, I talked to Mike Lombardi on the phone. He was a Raiders general manager at that time. And he actually went to Valley Forge Military Academy, my same school. So we had talked previously. And so I, I initially thought I was going to go number two to Oakland. But they decided on uh, taking Robert Gallery, and then uh, Dennis Green and Ron Graves drafted me here to the Arizona Cardinals. Throws complete to the 15 defense, cuts left to the 10 to the 5, into the end zone for the touchdown! I'm Larry Fitzgerald, and that's my draft story. Yesterday, 2004, Larry Fitzgerald drafted by the Arizona Cardinals number three overall here in 2023. Cardinals are selecting number three again, and everyone can only hope that they have that sort of robust draft pick, a guy who's going to be a certain first ballot Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald flashing back and remembering he really truly thought he was going to be in silver and black for quite a bit of time there, Darren. I I do think there was some thought there, but this idea that Denny Green wasn't going to take him if he was still around. I right. kind of cracks me up a little bit. And most people are aware that uh, once upon a time, as a teenager in high school, Larry Fitzgerald was a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings. It was very instrumental because he was around Chris Carter and Randy Moss, two future Hall of Fame receivers. Denny Green was the head coach, so it was sort of a natural. Indeed, he was selected by Denny Green and the Cardinals. And then the day after the draft, during the opening press conference, they flash back to the memories of Pat Tillman, who had been killed just a few days earlier. The Arizona Cardinals, number one pick. We bring him to the Valley of the Sun, wide receiver, University of Pittsburgh, Larry Fitzgerald. 
First, I would like to say thank you for having me. You know, it's an honor and pleasure to be here. You know, it's a very special time for me right now. And, uh, you know, such a difficult time for the organization as well with the loss that we all just had just now. And, um, you know, it's been difficult for us as well as a family you know, because we kept up with, uh, you know, Arizona Cardinals growing up as well. And we played them a few times you know, when, I was, when I was a Minnesota Vikings ball boy. And, uh, you know, he was one of our favorite players. I never had the opportunity to meet uh, Pat Tillman. I had a world of respect for him because of what he represented when he came out of high school, what he represented as a walk-on athlete going to Arizona State, what he represented and how he handled his performance at Arizona State as a last-round pick and a guy that many people thought could not play in the National Football League. There should have never been any doubt because Pat Tillman always gave 100%. And so our heartfelt emotions go out to him and his family. And then I also would say, though, if you looked at USA Today, there was a full-page story on Larry Fitzgerald. And that story also is a picture of Larry and his family, Carol Fitzgerald, who passed away a little bit more than a year ago in April. The stalwart of the family, uh, a tremendous woman. I knew her very well personally. I spoke at both of her eulogies. Carol Fitzgerald will meet Pat Tillman today. And two people in heaven will lead the stampede for the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of emotion the day after the first round of the 2004 draft. Pat Tillman, a former teammate of Kyle Vandenbosch. Kyle, as a coach of uh, high schoolers these days, do you ever flash back to Pat Tillman? Do, do you ever use him as a reference or an example in any sort of way? What's the curiosity level out of some of these youngsters these days when it comes to Pat Tillman? No, I mean, that. It, first of all, the two people in this segment that you're talking about, Larry Fitzgerald and Pat Tillman, uh, Jonathan Gannon, when he took this job, said he wants players with football character. And you can't find two better examples of guys that you want in your locker room to show young guys. I was a young guy when, you know, when Pat Tillman, when I shared a locker room with him. Um, we actually, my rookie year, uh, we both sprained our ankles uh, in the uh, game against Philadelphia. And I remember coming in for treatment, and we both had similar ankle sprains. I was in the training room getting treatment. Pat Tillman was out on the field running sprints with a sprained ankle because he refused to go in the training room and refused to be injured because he wanted to be there for his teammates, just like he wanted to be there for his country. And, um, you know, I can't say enough about the type of person he was and not just the impact he had on my life, but the impact he had on so many people's lives. Um, But, you know, outside of, you know, what the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice he made for our country – you know, Pat Tillman was a great person to build a team around and to have in the locker room. And the same goes for Larry Fitzgerald. And we can only hope that we find one. And look, there's there's never going to be another Pat Tillman. There's never going to be a Larry Fitzgerald. But we can find one or two guys that are those type of guys that you can continue to build around, and they will be stalwarts in this locker room for years to come. Yeah, seventh-round pick, 1998. Far from a sure thing to make that team. I covered that team. I was in training camp, Pat Tillman. Made a heck of an impact in training camp, and it just kept continuing from there. You go to the 2001 draft there, Kyle Vandenbosch. You were 34th overall, right? What, stand, what, what, do you, what do you tell the kids about that? What, what are your lasting memories from your draft experience back in the day? Yeah, I was at home in Iowa with my family. Um, obviously, I wasn't um, a big enough name to be a New York City guy um, for draft day. And, you know, I, looking at mock drafts then, which – there was probably about two, um, not the the hundreds of mock drafts by everybody that has a Twitter account now. Um, you know, I was projected to go late second, possibly early third. 
Um, same as uh, Larry, I don't remember ever having a conversation or a meeting with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so it kind of came, you know, to, to get that call early in the second. Um, you know, it was, it was very humbling, and I was honored. And, and to, you know, get on the phone with the team, um, you know, my first thing was just to tell them, just so you know, I don't know what I can give you, but I'm going to give you everything I got. And that's all I did. And, um, you know, unfortunately, my career got derailed here with injuries and, and really couldn't get healthy till later in my career. But um, it's just, you know, regardless of where these players get picked, um, these kids are fulfilling a lifelong dream to get an opportunity to play the best game in the world at the highest level. And, and you, you really you, you want to sit back and see their joy and their emotion to get their names called. When, uh, when I was... I first my first full year covering this team was 2000 um, so uh, and that was basically the first draft that I covered was Kyle's draft um, I I remember going to him uh, right after training camp to do a, a feature story on him on the new rookie starting defensive end and part of the reason I wanted to the, the angle of the story I took was you're not Simeon Rice and it's funny you at the time said uh, you know I'm just me you know you said all the right things but I think one of the reasons the Cardinals really wanted Kyle Vandenbosch was that football character. Simeon Rice is a great, great football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the other stuff, I think the organization was ready to have somebody in that position that was a little bit more focused on just the football part. And I think that's why they took Kyle so early. And I, I know the injuries didn't work out, but uh, history showed it was a good pick. Hey, if the Cardinals can get a bunch of Kyle Vandenboshes, that's exactly what Monty and JG want to see on this team. Effective immediately, as Jonathan Gannon said at the uniform unveiling. He can't wait to see Monty Austin Ford work the phones on Thursday night. Uh, all of us are included. We'll see if it'll be eight picks or more than that after trade. Special thanks to Jim Alejandro and Lauren Koval for Kyle Vandenbosch and Darren Urban. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Red Sea Report brought to you by SeatGeek. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.